0: Let's begin. All right. Welcome to my show, Evan, with this great, great
1: audience here. Indeed. Um, mm-hmm. They're imaginary. Uh, so, you,
2: you are my friend, Evan Laurie, and
0: uh, and it's funny having you on a podcast because you're my best looking friend, but no, nobody's going to see what you look like. How does that make you feel? Um,
1: you know, actually, I think I prefer that. I prefer a, a smaller setting kind of one-on-one or just small groups that's definitely how i like to roll
0: yeah yeah i, I actually like it as well because it's just you just sit and chat especially having the laugh mics because most podcasts you're talking right into a mic oh yeah This hey. one it's like super casual We get to just sit and chat
1: it's much more natural yeah yeah, yeah totally.
0: so tell me how we met how like i don't remember i don't think there's like a specific meeting but maybe you remember
1: yeah, okay, so I think the time I really recall actually having like a, a kind of carried out conversation with you was following, must have been a fireside or something at the 17th Avenue Steak Center, uh, some numbers back, a number of months back, yeah. and uh, I think we were just kind of in the process of cleaning up the uh, chairs and whatnot, and it might have been because we were both in IRC at the time. Mm, yeah serving on the uh, the Institute committee there. And so I think that maybe how we were both kind of in the same venue at the same time. Yeah. And uh, anyway, what I recall most um, about that conversation was just how uh, interesting it was hearing your uh, kind of ambition to, like, develop a city or plan a city yeah. and to basically meet all these people with interesting skill sets and backgrounds and different things that they can contribute and... And I remember we talked for probably a good 15, 20 minutes just on that subject, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Well, mostly I talked, probably. But... <laughs> well, I don't know. You got me asking a lot of questions, because I know you certainly had me intrigued with yeah. this idea. But, yeah. And
0: I think you're good at asking questions, too. I do remember that conversation now, actually. And I remember I remember the first time I heard of you. Yeah? Yeah. I was at your stepdad's place for New
1: Year's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And
0: you were at the youth dance.
1: One of the rare times I did go, I guess. Yeah, right?
0: Yeah. 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 Because looking looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, that's not really something Evan seems to do. But I remember being there, uh, meeting your mom, I think, and
1: Mm -hmm. then... Probably my two younger brothers as well. Sam and your other brother, Brett.
0: You're about, you're a little bit older than me and I wasn't old enough to go to the Nancys
1: yet. Okay, so this would have been, I probably was you were, you were 15 like, maybe or yeah. something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I missed out meeting you way earlier on then. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the first time I heard of you.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I remember, skip forward I guess, like six years. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Then said when we were on the institute regional council
1: yeah okay and
0: and then i was like "Who's this guy with that gorgeous hair like (laughs) look at that man (laughs) if evan Evan doesn't have it anymore you don't have it Mm -hmm. but you had like how long was your hair if it was straightened how long would
1: it have gone oh see i never did have the the courage to straighten my hair but i think i think if i had straightened it it would have been I mean, probably two or three inches past my shoulders, yeah, yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, so, like, I mean, (laughs) it it
0: was impressive. So that's how how I noticed you. I was like, wow, (laughs) like, sweet hair. And that gave me the confidence to put bobby pins in my hair. Is that right, hey? Yep, you are the only reason I had that haircut that I did last year. Seriously. Because I was like, Evan wears bobby pins in his hair. I can at least
1: one <laughs> mine yeah. and I did. Yeah, you rocked it, actually. Yeah. You really made I'm, it work. I'm
0: glad you think so. Looking back on it, I really don't feel like I did it, but I mean,
1: I'm glad you, no, I'm glad I, you think so. I'm glad I, I somehow managed that
0: haircut. I'm, we both have much more conservative haircuts.
1: <laughs> yes, I suppose I, we're both kind of pursuing different avenues in life at this time. Hey. Yeah,
0: it's, yeah, we can't get away.
1: It's a shame, isn't it?
0: You were, you know, you were my hair brother. <laughs> I felt like I can have crazy hair because Evan's got crazy hair, mm. you know? Yeah. And so it worked. It worked.
1: It worked.
2: You, you gave me that confidence <laughs> and I
1: thank you for that. Hey, well, uh, you're welcome. I'll say that uh, the bobby pin thing really only ever stemmed from having to contest with some wayward curls you know and trying to keep things under control when my hair would uh really have one goal in mind and that was to be as absolutely crazy and uh wild and free as it could possibly manage to be so
0: well you've got yeah you've got pretty crazy hair because it's really (laughs) curly yeah. yeah yeah so and it's like they're like big curls
1: too yeah they got the i guess kind of the, kind of looping or the spiral type type curls. Yeah. Do you yeah. inherit
0: that
1: from either of your parents? I do actually. Yeah. That's entirely from my dad. And right. it, it was quite interesting actually, is we've just recently found out that, um, this hair was actually inherited, um, uh, many generations ago, but it's persisted through, um, the generations as time has gone by. Yeah. And it's actually been through, um, uh, who actually turned out to be a, a gypsy orphan, basically, who was, uh, abandoned in Norway and, and raised by, um, some of our family that, uh, basically took her in and, and raised her from probably eight months or something, you know, really? eight months of age onwards. And, uh, and yeah. And so having been raised in Norway, she was subject of some, I don't know, scrutiny or mockery of some sorts for having this very full, dark curly hair. Yeah. Pretty and, unusual. Yeah. Yeah, cuz uh, you know in, in in Norway and in Scandinavia it's quite common to have fair skin tones, fairer hair, lighter eyes, you know. Yeah, yeah. And she was very much the opposite of that. And, and that's uh, where that that's where the curly hair comes from. Yeah. Wow, but your
0: family's from Norway like going back.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting actually because she she ended up marrying a Norwegian fellow having been raised there, that would make sense. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah. So that's one part of my family's ancestry. is uh, is from Norway, and uh, and the other part, predominantly, is Scottish. Actually, would be the other the other side. Yeah. Wow.
2: So,
0: do the blue eyes come from Norway then? Probably.
1: I would think so. Yeah. It's yeah, because neither of my parents have blue eyes. Really. And none of my grandparents do. Yeah. But you wound up with it. Hey? Yeah. Do you, Do any of
0: your siblings have blue
1: eyes as well? Yeah, actually, four four out of five of us do. We've got blue eyes and just one with brown eyes. so strange. So both of your parents have a blue eye gene and that's,
0: that's like, that's pretty crazy actually. Mm -hmm. That's pretty unusual.
1: Yeah. Two parents
0: with brown eyes have four kids with blue and one with
1: brown. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's funny how what seems to be unlikely often ends up presenting itself and,
2: Yeah, I mean it can happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like
0: anything can happen, right? So, so, were you were you born
1: in Calgary? Yeah, I was born and raised in Calgary. Um, you know, it seems like there's fewer and fewer of those people these days that can say that. And so Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, more often than not, I find them running into people that uh, were born elsewhere, raised uh, outside of Calgary, you know, and so. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I guess, one of the increasingly few born and raised here. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, especially for you, because you just finished university. Mm-hmm. so a lot of I mean a lot of people at U aren't from Calgary that's right yeah
1: that's there's, right. there's a, quite a large international demographic there yeah. yeah
0: I mean I have one friend who's from China
1: you know yeah. and I'm sure there are plenty of students from China There, there's like 30,000 students there so that's right yeah yeah that's pretty sweet that, that's cool though
2: um, and what was whereabouts in
0: the city did you grow up
1: I grew up Um, I'd say for the most part it was kind of a southwest portion of the city, but very much sort of south-central. Yeah. Um, And so I spent a lot of time around, um, you know, places like Stanley Park, um, El Boya, Park Hill, Rita Park. These are all, uh, I guess, my former stomping grounds, you might say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is, because Calgary's a pretty interesting city as far as geography goes. So I'm always curious, like, where in the city... From, mm-hmm. right, because it's a big city, and uh, and the southwest part of the city that you lived in, I always thought as north, that's the north part of the
1: city. Right, because you're from further south.
0: Because I'm from the deep south. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, anything anything that far north was north. Even if it said <laughs> southwest in the address, it was north. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, know, I suppose it's all relative, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and were you pretty consistently in the city?
1: Yep. Um, actually, I went to the same school from kindergarten through grade nine. Mm-hmm. And so I was very much, um, very much involved in that part of the community for a number of years. Yeah. And then uh, was probably about a five minute drive from where I went to school, kindergarten to grade nine, uh, as a high school student just over at Western. So on 17th Ave. Western, right? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And how was that
0: experience? What was Western like?
1: You know, I really enjoyed going to Western, um, partly because you know it was a natural, um, natural place for a lot of my friends and I to go. Um, I happened to be on the boundary actually at the time between Wisewood and Western, and I suppose my reasoning for going there was well, there was, it was kind of twofold. The first was most of my friends were going there, so that made it kind of pretty easy choice uh, to choose Western over Wisewood. Uh, and secondly, I was kind of interested in the IB program at the time coming out of junior high and it just so happened to be that Western was an IB school yeah. and uh, and so that was something I applied for and I was accepted into and so that was a big part of my I suppose grade 10 year before, before deciding like perhaps my time would be more enjoyable as a student if I could focus more on um, well my social life really I found that was really the one interesting thing that maybe surprised me and looking back in hindsight maybe shouldn't have surprised me um, but that just IB was, was a lot of work and very demanding yeah, and as a grade 10 student like you know I, I don't know I've, I was really expecting that or prepared for that yeah. and, uh, and so I suppose just for the sake of wanting to enjoy my time in high school more and worry less about you know just the, the workload that was being yeah. sort of put on me. I decided to go the regular stream, and that was certainly a blessing to do that. Yeah. It, yeah.
0: Would, yeah. Um, would you quickly explain um, a bit more in
2: depth what uh,
1: the IB program is? Um, yeah. So the IB program stands for the International Baccalaureate Program, and uh, it's similar in a way to the AP program. A lot of people seem to be, have, seem to be familiar with the AP program, yeah. Um, but I suppose in a nutshell, the IB program is um, its kind of an international curriculum that students all over the world can take uh, and, in some way, be kind of preparing themselves academically for post secondary studies in a way that kind of local curriculum um, are not necessarily catering to. And so that was really the idea yeah. behind IB. I
0: didn't realize that. I knew it something to do with university prep, right, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and kind of advancing towards
2: that, uh, but I didn't, I didn't realize there was a more international,
0: more widely recognized curriculum mm-hmm. kind of thing.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and actually students that take it um, kind of open more doors for their, uh, I guess, opportunities to study abroad, because the international, I, or the IB program being an international curriculum, is recognized in many countries all throughout yeah. the world, and so if if that happened to be something a student was interested in, um, you know that is studying abroad, then the IV program is um, should probably appeal to them in some way.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty neat
0: actually. Um, so, so you decided to leave the IV program? Did you do it for all of
1: grade ten? I did it for, I think it was really the first semester kind of think back on this, but I think it was the first semester, um, and at the time, like I was, I was in the full IB program, meaning yeah. uh, pretty well all my courses were um, an IB course, right? So I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't involved in the, the uh, the regular Alberta stream as far as the <clears throat> curriculum goes, and so um, yes, and so I decided after that first semester um, that perhaps the regular stream would be um, just, a, more in line with what I was hoping to get out of high school. Um, yeah. you know, I did find the, or the, uh, the IB program to be academically rewarding as much as it was taxing in some way, um, on a grade 10 student who's, you know, not used to necessarily having to work so hard with his, his studies. Right. Yeah. That was, it was, it, was a, it was a bit of an eye opener for me, yeah. but one I'm glad I took and, uh, and it. It paid off, even though it was just the one semester. I ended up taking that. It did pay off, um, as far as I kind of what I could expect going into university after yeah. leaving grade twelve. So,
2: hmm.
1: yeah,
0: that's pretty interesting. So, leaving it, did you find? Did you did you find you received those social benefits and kind of what? Because you talk about the opportunities that the IV program affords mm-hmm. a student. Yeah. Right, but then, you know, was was I guess the sacrifice worth it? Like, how do you how do you measure that? Looking back on it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, it's interesting. There's a very fine line because in the IB program, being an international curriculum, they try and standardize the grades you receive as an IB student in a way that can be translated to the local curriculum that you happen to be studying amidst, right? Okay. And so they call it, I think, a standardization process. Yeah. And so often it just means adding on so many extra percentage points to the grade you received uh, in your IB course and then kind of converting that into, you know, a government of Alberta or Alberta education grade, right? Okay. and It's usually a few percentage points higher. Yeah. Um, and I suppose this is where the fine line is. It really depends on how invested uh, and committed to your studies you are. Because if you're not especially committed to your studies in IB, you're going to get hammered and you're going to get a grade that is very much, you know, it's not reflective of how you might have succeeded in at least the Alberta curriculum, right? Maybe it's different outside of Alberta. But I found the standardization that they would give um, at the end of the course for those in IB uh, was less percentage points than I thought was um, expected, you know, than I could have expected to receive. Um, and so looking back on it, I think for me, it was certainly worth um, at least the one semester in IB, but I'm glad with, and very happy with my decision to, uh, to kind of move on from that and just kind of go with the regular stream as far as my, my studies went in high school, yeah. because I, I did perform much better, right? Yeah. And, uh, and the grades I received uh, in these courses, the regular stream courses, were much higher than I could have expected to receive, uh, say, in the IB program. And yeah. and that paid off as far as university entrance uh, grades go. You so know. it did
0: work out academically as, as well?
1: Probably. It did, yeah. Yeah, that decision to, to leave IB did work out academically. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I would consider myself to be um, somewhat of a shy person, you know, certainly more introverted than extroverted. Yeah. And I suppose I, you would probably attest to that. that. Hey, yeah. 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 And so one might kind of question, you know, is it, you know, what kind of social value does a shy guy or a, you know, at least a quiet guy like myself really have to to look forward to or how much can he really value something like that yeah and it turns out an awful lot and an yeah. awful lot more than i thought that uh, that i personally would value it and uh and it wasn't really until i suppose the shell shock of, of grade 10 ib that i realized this Yeah. You know? and so i suppose some of the uh, the consequences that followed that decision to leave ib where that I was able to become much more involved, um, with my school, uh, in ways, uh, for example, we we had this leadership program that selected, um, you know, from the, from the top students, or at least at the teacher's recommendations, those students, grade 11 students going into grade 12, that the teachers felt were, um, ideally suited to fill some sort of leadership role. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because my motivation at the time really was more uh, the physical education side of things because leadership, at least the course code itself, is kind of tacked on to PE 30, physical education 30, and so that's what really kind of attracted me to that course at the time is because it was full year gym basically. Yeah. Um, but little did I realize um, that the leadership courses that we'd be taking kind of simultaneously some days we do gym some days we do leadership um but these leadership courses um at least looking back have paid off in ways i don't know that i would have necessarily um foreseen you know yeah. and i'm really glad that i did that because it it kind of took me out of my comfort zone and yeah. uh it forced me to i don't know it forced me to consider my actions a lot more than i might have otherwise right really? one of the cool takeaways i took from that course was um, you know a leader will essentially not do anything differently when he's being watched by who knows any number of people um, versus if he's just by himself right? Yeah. A true leader one who leads by example will not do differently um, in one setting than he does in another right? If it's just depending on who's there, right? Yeah. And uh, so that was a really cool takeaway from that course that I that I really enjoyed.
0: Have you tried to emulate that? I mean, because that, that was years ago. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, probably a good five, six years ago, four
1: years or more. Yeah, about six years ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so have you tried to emulate that kind of idea of what a leader is and who a leader is and what they do in your life?
1: yes um and probably a little bit more so with that as a, a focus or an intention than it would have been say six years ago leaving that course for example yeah. Um. yes and naturally i've found myself um kind of pursuing more leadership positions yeah. than i would have before as well yeah uh you know and this was Say for example, because I grew up playing soccer, that was that was very much my sport yeah. growing up. I loved playing it, um, and that was one that kind of allowed me to take a lot of valuable leadership skills, um, kind of early on in my uh, my years, um, mm-hmm. and kind of apply those in meaningful ways moving forward. But um, yeah, and then the other thing that's quite interesting about um, you know years later after having taken this course is just how much more comfortable I feel um, being in a leadership position, right? Yeah.
2: Because
1: even after that course, I wouldn't say I was especially comfortable being in a leadership position. But one of the cool things that I really kind of took from that um, and just being surrounded by people that were also likewise leaders, maybe in different ways, but very much leaders themselves. uh, One of the cool things I took from that was you just have to take comfort and confidence in yourself, you know, and, and who you are and what it is you believe. Yeah. And uh, all the while trying to maintain this mindset or attitude of always doing what you believe uh, to be correct, what, what you believe is right, yeah. and following through on that and not say, um, and not say letting yourself dismiss opportunities to be exactly who you are because of your setting or because of who's around you yeah. or uh because you don't they feel like you don't have time or anything you know yeah. and these were these were interesting takeaways for me that when i look back on this um have really kind of changed the the direction that i have been pursuing and have just been finding myself going um, as far as leadership positions go
0: yeah well i i would i think i would describe you as a bit of a silent leader you're mm-hmm. not super extroverted person
2: mm-hmm. you're quite you're quite the introvert which I think a lot of people
0: normally think of extroverts as being you know the leader yes like, rah, rah, follow me kind of thing
2: absolutely yeah
0: um, but I, I think I think you embody a lot of those principles at least from me knowing you as a friend and seeing you I think you embody a lot of those values and principles of of leadership and that people are willing to follow you because they see this is a pretty consistent guy. Like I, think people feel like they can trust you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, is that a is that confidence in your ability to lead and um and also the the um oh, what was the other one? Yeah, the confidence in your ability something you've struggled with, with, with confidence and putting yourself out
1: there and being that leader? Yeah, I mean, I'd say when I was younger, I would shy away from those things or at least hope that that responsibility would not fall on my shoulders, you know? Yeah. Um, kind of thinking like, wow, well, you, know, you know, I see all these other people who are um, very much capable of taking on these leadership responsibilities, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I think... You know, just thinking, you know, perhaps they're better suited than me. Yeah. So that was something that I thought a lot about as a kid. And, you know, I, I never really, I was never the first to kind of involve myself in things that I didn't necessarily feel like I was the most suited for or most capable of doing. Yeah. Um, but what's, what's interesting, and I've kind of mentioned it, um, was that you just have to take confidence in who you are and what you know you're able to do just confidence in yourself really and so answering your question yes I have become um, more confident with who I am and my ability to lead and speaking of um, kind of earning trust as a leader um, that's very much uh, that's a very critical point uh, that I think any leader has to has to maintain right because if you, if you haven't earned the trust of those people who are looking up to you or are in some way looking to you for guidance or instruction, uh, in some way leadership qualities, yeah. then how, how can they expect to – how can you expect them to follow you, right? Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And uh, I should say, all the while, I don't, I don't seek to gain people's favor yeah. or approval in how I conduct myself. Um, I just want to conduct myself in a manner that uh, will speak to those who recognize what I have as far as leadership skills to be um, something that they can, I guess, get on board with, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and get behind and be a part of and contribute to. I think yeah. that's really what it comes down to. You're
2: definitely not
0: political or skinny about <laughs> anything. I, no. You're-
2: guy which i appreciate have there been any
0: moments when you have you've struggled to have that consistency that you that you were talking about where no matter what the the scenario or the situation the setting the people around you remaining true to your values have there been any moments when it's been kind of like a like a texting thing
1: um perhaps i've been fortunate in the fact that I haven't really been put in a situation where I've kind of been faced with the decision of, you know, either maintaining whatever belief it is or, or values I have uh, or, or shunning those completely, letting them go. I've been fortunate in the sense that I haven't had to make a decision like that. Um, but at the same time, I think should that ever happen, I'd have confidence in my, uh, my ability to choose that which I believe and which I believe to be right. Yeah. and uh, so yeah
2: yeah
0: okay cool um, and then moving forward after after high school did you go immediately into university
1: mm-hmm. yes I did so I guess following yeah this this would be the summer kind of leading into the fall of 2012 that I began at the University of Calgary and uh, and it was yeah it was an interesting time because all throughout high school, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'd like to be an engineer. You know, yeah. that's kind of where my interests are, are leading me. Yeah. And it wasn't really until probably the second semester of grade 12, so right about the time when students start applying for university, yeah. that I started thinking about other options. And um, the option that I ended up choosing at the time, at least for my first degree, was, would end up being uh, geophysics. And uh, this was an interesting, somewhat related field to engineering, although at the same time, altogether entirely different yeah. as far as their applications uh, of science are concerned. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, it would have been right after your high school that I yeah, started right. university. Yeah. And so
0: you went into geophysics mm-hmm. and, and how, how, how long of a program was that and what did you find kind of challenges, benefits
1: Mm. things yeah so that's uh that itself is a four-year program yeah. or at least ideally right yeah. many students opt to take a fifth year just to kind of distribute their class or uh, the course load out uh, across a number of semesters right yeah. um but no that that was one actually i i uh, completed in four years um and uh as far as some of the challenges go you know, it's it's interesting because one of the the lessons I learned maybe a bit later than I was hoping I might learn this, was that in university and maybe perhaps for much of life, right, many of the things in life, it's not always about working hard as it is working smart. Yeah. You know, we're we're often taught that working smart or pardon me, working hard is um, you know, that's a, that's a very admirable quality and one that everyone should aspire to. And I think in most ways that is true, right? Um, but at the same time, you have to recognize that working hard can in some ways be inefficient too, right? And so what it, I probably didn't learn this until about my third year in university. Um, but that you could work hard and that you could also work smart, and that could also mean working less hard than maybe you needed to. Yeah. And so by about the third year, and certainly by the, the fourth year in my uh, geophysics program, I had really found my groove as a university student and uh, really kind of excelled um, with with the course load um, and with what was expected of me as a student. Um, I settled into my uh, my classes with... Uh, confidence and you know this ability to maintain uh, communication and a relationship with the instructors right yeah you know whereas in my first few years I would never I would never talk to the professors after class I'd never ask them questions you know that was just something I kind of left by the wayside and didn't ever feel inclined to do even if I did have a question that was not something I did just kind of left it. yeah just kind of left it and, and I regret doing that that is one of my regrets um, at least for that program, okay? yeah. geophysics, yeah.
0: And so, how did you? So you say you got into your groove kind of in your third year of of university, where you kind of found like a motion, I guess, where where it was it was moving forward, and you knew kind of what you were doing and what you had to do to accomplish your assignments. Mm-hmm. And uh, did that make it easier for you?
1: yeah yeah it did and it actually made school much more enjoyable yeah. I mean I that being said I have always enjoyed school I love learning yeah. Um, but you know everything's more enjoyable when you're doing well at it it seems you oh, know? Totally, yeah. yeah so once you've, you've figured that out and you've got some confidence in uh, what is expected of you and your ability to execute um, yeah it becomes very much more enjoyable Absolutely. Yeah. and then
0: after You... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so, what, what happened after that then? So, after the ge- geophysics program, I uh, i was pursuing a second batch of science in natural science, I guess is what the university calls it. Okay. Um, although the interest that I took in that was primarily in the energy sciences thing. So, talking about uh, renewable energy technologies and energy systems, whether or not they're renewable. So things like nuclear energy, uh, geothermal energy, solar, wind, you know, all these these different types of energy yeah. systems. Um, and so that was in some way uh, motivated by poor timing of what would have been my graduation from the geophysics program, you know, at yeah. this really, really low point and decline in the oil and gas industry. Um, I figured, you know, perhaps it's best I just stay in school a little bit longer and kind of Wait out this recession, and certainly what turned out to be a recession, and so that was that was another two years I spent in university completing that degree. Um, fortunately, I mean there was a lot of carryover from my first degree. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Lessened how much
0: time you were
1: spending mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So my my semesters were seldom four or five courses. Right, they were usually three courses. Okay. So much more. Manageable, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty sweet. So the last two years of school have been pr- a little bit more chill. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, just, you just finished that.
1: Yeah. yeah I'll be convocating June seventh here. So. Yeah. a Matter of days from now.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A matter of days from this recording, but. That's correct. It's done. That's awesome. That's really <laughs> yeah. Exciting. So, and then and then now you're just off and looking for looking for a job
1: yeah yeah commencing that old job hunt hey yeah i
0: I know um you've had a a fairly interesting experience in uh looking for a job you've done a lot of work and a lot of research and stuff Mm -hmm. on it um can you tell us a little bit about like your process of what you've been doing to look for a job
1: sure yeah um, a lot of it's really begun um, by meeting with people, yeah. uh, meeting with industry professionals. Anyone that uh, I knew that was in some way involved in the oil and gas business and was willing to sit down with me for you know 15-minute conversation was really all that I had to work with at the beginning. Um, and so that was something I, I started out doing, and I've met with a number of people um, since the beginning of this year kind of just meeting with them and asking really for any advice for a new graduate like myself that they might have um, as far as really getting a foot in the door in the oil and gas industry was concerned. And, um, and each of them have, have given me um, valuable advice. A lot of it seems to have a common thread and that really is um, establishing a network and maintaining that network. And I mean, I've being a, being a, a fairly quiet guy, you know, this is, Not something that's altogether surprising, but at the same time, not something that I've, let's say, done and and had already established um, behind my back, right? This is very much a new focus for me. Um, Other things that I've been doing um, as far as my job search goes um, has been basically sharing my resume with all sorts of different um, professionals, whether or not they're in the oil and gas industry. And the thing is, you know, um, everyone's got their own idea of what an ideal resume or cover letter should be like, right? And uh, it really, really just depends on, I suppose, the job that you're applying for and the company's values and interests and your own personal interests as well. And so this is, you know, it's led me to basically realize, like, you know, no matter what people say as far as what you should include in your resumes and cover letters are concerned, um, you have to be the one that's happy with what it is you're submitting. Yeah. And you're going to know best your strengths and your interests and things that are worthwhile putting on those those resumes. Um, yeah, and so, those. yeah, I suppose that's really been my kind of niche the past number of months, just trying to find yeah. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So you, you'd say you
2: need to
0: trust yourself a little bit
2: when you make Mm-hmm. And kind
0: of go at it with a little like you're talking about a little bit of confidence mm-hmm. in, uh, in your ability to do that and so <clears throat> you've been you've been looking for jobs you've been you've been doing this you've been putting yourself out there and, and getting all of these resumes out there which I, I think is fantastic there's a lot of going on right now where a lot of people are just kind of sitting right a lot of people going out there and and doing stuff and i i've been very impressed i'd say i'd say our friendship has mostly developed over the past year i would agree yeah yeah Yeah. and uh and and i'm quite impressed as your friend to see how how
2: your life has changed you know and how how things have have of
0: those ways is your relationship. Kevin. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting because it really all began when, well, you were there, I was right? there. it just so happened to be. <laughs> Aren't
2: I, <I'm> special.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it's funny because yeah, it was, it was in the Institute parking lot that, uh, that uh well, I mean, Alita and I really got talking right and and, yeah. and you just happened to be there and being a conversationalist yourself it uh, yeah. i I suppose I took some confidence in the fact that you were there, right you know, and just yeah. that there was someone here who was very capable of conversing and had interesting ideas and, and plenty to say and uh, and so that that made it very well i'm going to say this as what would be um, a prospective boyfriend yeah. it was it was very helpful for me' cause i could I could hear a lot of uh what you know she had to say and yeah. uh you know and just kind of collecting thoughts and observations yeah. about what it is she's uh she's interested in and yeah so there was there was a natural avenue to then begin talking with her and and uh and yeah so that's uh, that was last summer i guess that would have been yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Was a
0: year ago yeah and- sure yeah that's right pretty thrilling. so so I remember when I walked up to you guys mm-hmm. I I started chatting and we were chatting a little bit but then I was like
2: huh I think I should leave
1: <laughs> that's funny because that was the second time that we happened to be talking and you also happened to be just leaving the institute right yeah yeah and we were just talking on the parking lot yeah. And uh, and
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, I just thought that second time I thought, I'm like, no, I'm like, I'll let those two chat, mm. and uh, and so I pieced out before my uh, my usual conversation bedtime, which is never.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, yeah.
0: and so and so that's really exciting. So so to tell us more. What it was for for us single guys, mm. And how, how How did that
1: start happening like well you know it's interesting because i will tell you I was not interested in dating you know i didn't date at all in high school i didn't even start dating until I was twenty two i guess yeah about twenty two yeah. i i hadn't i hadn't really ever gone on a date previous to that, and that was really um you know because I felt like this was not something that I was wanting to commit to 100% right because when I when I do something when I start something I'm very much of the mindset of seeing this through uh, mm-hmm. to its completion yeah. and and I like to involve myself 100% yeah. and at the time being in university and uh, very much focused on my school studies and and my family life and all you know that was just not a focus of mine dating was not a focus of mine yeah. And, uh, and so when school kind of was finishing up and this this idea of dating kind of uh, had entered my mind or my focus more than it had in, in years gone by, um, it really did, did come down to um, putting myself in places where that opportunity would present itself, right? Um, and all the while ensuring that I was just who I was who I was and I was not trying to be someone that I wasn't yeah. and um I can say that that has yielded um you know very very pleasant results for me um because it's it's great when you can just be yourself entirely you know you can speak your mind you can speak your thoughts um and you can you can conduct yourself in a way that is entirely how you would do it let's say if if this world were entirely yours and you could be at all times who you want it to be,
2: yeah.
1: which is something I hope everyone can find the courage or the, the comfort uh, to do. Yeah. But, you know, I would say for you single guys out there, um, take confidence in yourself and who you are yeah. and what you believe. Confidence seems to be kind of the morphing into a, the theme of, of this, uh, this, Podcasts that we're, we're involving ourselves in, but that is, it's huge, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, people are drawn to confidence, right? Yeah. And it, confidence doesn't have to fit this traditional or this classic image of someone who is um, very much engaged in any number of things, who is very vocal and mm-hmm. passionate about anything and everything right yeah confidence and just being yourself can mean um that can mean not saying anything you know that it it can really mean that and that that was that was interesting because um you know i tend to be a a listener right and uh, so this this very nature of speaking a lot about myself and and whatnot is something that i don't find myself doing an awful lot of yeah. and so what was interesting was um, I could take confidence um, in the fact that I was basically open ears right mm-hmm. and uh, and so really what it comes down to is if you can be yourself um, and take confidence in who you are people that value the things that you do or what it is you believe they will naturally find you yeah. um, and you know that's just really the, the, the first step, Say, so let's say the catalyst to what could be a first conversation between a single guy and a single girl. But um, as far as seeing that through to something more, like a relationship, let's say, I think it really comes from maintaining confidence in yourself, right? And never deviating from the fact that you are who you are and you are that person for a reason. Yeah. Um, don't pretend like you have to be someone that you aren't Um, because that shows, you know, and if it doesn't show, then let's say you do find yourselves in a relationship, it'll then show itself. Right. And you'll in some way seem, you know, not authentic. Right. Yeah. To what this person was drawn to initially. So you being, I suppose, not authentic early on, would then lead to this uh, sort of criticism, let's say, of you being um, yourself, which would be it, your authentic self, and then finding that this is I maybe mean, it's not common ground that you have yeah. with uh, whoever you might be dating, and so it's really come down to that. And I've been I've been so comfortable um, yeah. with with my relationship as it is. Um, because I just get to be myself, and I'm accepted for who I am, and and loved for who I am exactly as I am, yeah. who I want to be, and that feeling is reciprocated. Um, that's something I maintain for her as well.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I think you know um, that that's been an awesome theme um, throughout the podcast. How it's worked out that that it's been confidence in in your relationships in your in your schooling in your decisions and in yourself um how going forward into the future how do you intend to apply that uh, further as you as you continue to grow up
1: hmm. right well i mean immediately um, my focus is kind of on establishing and beginning a career and so i'd like to move forward with confidence um down that avenue in my life
2: yeah
1: um other other avenues as well would be just as far as goal setting goes right um it's so important and this is something that i've kind of learned actually as a byproduct of of my relationship it's so important to set goals Mm -hmm. because um, you know years can go by and this is something i've observed in other people's life and relationships or careers or whatever it is, um, years can go by and sneak by you, and you're left feeling uh, sort of unfulfilled in a way, um, like you've missed out or you've got more regrets than you do um, happy achievements behind you. Yeah. And, uh, and so this idea of goal setting has, has been one avenue that I've been um, trying to pursue a lot more than I would have in the past And, uh, so for example, some goals of mine that I've got, I'd love to become fluent in another language, you know, being one of these fewer and fewer people born and raised in Calgary, I suppose I've had the fortune of only having to speak one language, you know, English and having, uh, that be accepted by pretty well everyone that's here and in many cases internationally and abroad. Um, so that's one goal I would love to, uh, I'd love to seek out and and fulfill. Um, Other goals I've got would be um, as far as like family life, right? Like I've, I'm a family man through and through. Um, I'm very close with my family and I love building relationships with my family members. And I want to maintain that because there is great value um, and great love and great joy to be found in the connections that you, you establish with your family. And you know, I, I feel very fortunate in my own circumstances to have the family that I do, because um, everyone loves one another. Yeah. That much is clear. It's it's always been clear. Um, and and I look around and I see that that is not necessarily the case for a lot of people. And I might even dare say most people. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's broken families, there's fragmented families. Um, families that are abusive to each other, who, uh, who do not speak highly or uplift or inspire one another. Um, and it makes me very, very sad. And I suppose this goal of mine to, uh, to cultivate a very positive and ever-growing um, relationship with my family members stems from the fact that I've enjoyed it and felt so blessed by it all throughout my life, that I feel like this is something I need to cultivate and foster and give every opportunity to continue to flourish. You know, some people might say, you know, it's enough to, uh, to be content with how things are, to be content with the relationships that we've got with our family um, right now. You know, if all is well, why change that, right? I think that's a mindset a lot of people maintain. But what I've found is, there is there's so much growth to be had um, so much that you can learn, even from people that you'd expect to know everything about, your parents, your siblings, or cousins, whoever, people that you'd expect you'd know an awful lot about. You can learn uh, You can learn to learn more about them, but you can learn to love them more than you do now, and that's something that's been uh, a goal that I've established and want to continue following through on. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome to learn
1: another language and have a good family. Yeah, two of many goals, let's say i so have I've those got are pretty good goals, but Yeah. Do you have any languages in
2: particular?
1: I do actually. Um Norwegian is one. Really? I'd love to do that. Yeah. The uh I suppose the only downside to learning Norwegian would be, you know, everyone under 40 years old there is uh, is fluent in English, right? Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> and so the other thing is there's no there's really no native speakers uh, outside of norway right yeah. you 'll only find norwegian speaking people pretty well in norway and that's that 's about it. The one thing that is quite cool though about learning Norwegian is that um, there is mutual intelligibility between Norwegian Danish, and swedish um, they are three unique languages, uh, but they have very much a common root right in, yeah. in the, the Norse, Norse languages and so um there is uh, you can you can get into some swedish uh, writing and entertainment uh, or danish writing and entertainment if you're fluent in norwegian yeah. and you can take enjoyment in being able to speak with people from those countries as well cool. which is it's cool granted people in sweden under 40 and people in denmark under 40 also are very fluent in english so yeah. there's there's maybe not a lot of um reason outside of my own personal interest to learn what was and remains, a uh, kind of a family ancestry kind of motivation to learn Norwegian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just would feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm hmm, more responsible, at least more cultured as a person. If I could speak two languages.
0: Yeah. Especially if you pick Norwegian <laughs> so, I mean, and people say, Oh wow. Really, mm-hmm. that's cool
1: and, and also gives you that deeper connection with your, uh, with your family ancestry as well mm-hmm. which is
0: which it, I mean ties in perfectly with your other goals yeah. of, of building that, that strong bond between you and your family which, which I think is fantastic mm-hmm. well Evan thank you for being on my podcast and, uh, and thanks for sharing your past present future and your ideas I have never heard you speak so much. I think very few people have ever heard you speak so much, and uh, and so it's been it's been really cool to to listen to you a little bit and learn so much deeper uh, the way you see the world and and kind of I I think I think it kind of shows that that building personal confidence has been a big big theme of
1: your life whether consciously or subconsciously that's mm-hmm. that's been a thing and I, I think it shows it was my pleasure alex thank you for having me and for affording this opportunity to to talk about myself you know this has been it's not something that i i ever really do and so i've had great fun in, in sharing with you some of these details and and uh, kind of lessons i suppose that i've learned throughout my life and we'd be happy to join you again sometime too if, uh, if ever you felt Let's like do another. So. Let's do
2: another one. Sometime. <laughs> All right. Thanks.